It's been so long since we've done a fucking episode. How about you take it, Jackson? Since you're coming down with the flu, you need to pick me up. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the official podcast. Uh, it's flu-ridden. Everyone's diseased here at the moment, so I, I suggest staying away unless you want to get infected as well. But there's one man brave enough to dwell into this cave of of disgustingness, and that's Tom Papa. How, how's it going, man? It's going well. It sounds you sound terrible. Thank you. <laughs> Can you diagnose me? My friends don't believe that I'm coming down with the flu. Can you diagnose me? No, you definitely are coming down with the flu, and I would say one of those that like lingers for months. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> the one Damn. that kills you. <laughs> um. <laughs> You get a little better. You can go back to work. You can kind of function. You still have this <laughs> your throat for at least until Christmas. Christmas, well, Jesus Christ! You're diagnosing this man with a yeah. Like, are you giving what him kind the of fucking? Do you get Jackson's got nothing but clear skies ahead of him. It sounds like thanks to a PhD, Tom Papa. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, man. So that's a good opening question, Tom. What what are your doctorates in? What do you have a PhD in? <laughs> I. uh I left school with a bachelor's degree, and uh... <laughs> I don't think that was supposed to be a cliffhanger. I think yeah. the Discord cut him off. Was there more to that sentence, Tom? You stopped at end. <laughs> I said it never went back. Fuck! I don't. I don't know if the audio is working. <laughs> no, God Shit. damn it! It was so. Oh, we're so close. I'm Whoa. here. Jesus. Do I sound okay. okay in Skype? I'm adding Tom to the call. Can you, quick. Is this working? Is Skype okay? Yes. Okay. Yes, Andrew. Yes. God, it I sounds like you. fucking shit. Oh, my it's, Lord. My mic settings does. just got really fucked up. Hello. Welcome to Skype. Hello. Hey, I'm on Skype. Hey. Oh, he sounds now, good. Now we can actually hear you. Okay. Ah. Again, Tom, sorry okay. about that. We try to do Discord if we can because it is just way, way, way better than Skype. But Usually. Yeah. As you just saw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to see Discord again. <laughs> what, what a shitty time to pitch it down. Oh, God, I know. <laughs> I know. Let me tell you that I, for some reason worked perfectly with everyone else, but I think they heard Tom Papa was coming and just, just gave up. <laughs> Skype just doesn't work oh. for anyone, though. There was no yeah. special treatment in there. We're uh, yeah. we're sorry about that though. Thanks for bearing with us. We should be good to roll now. Yeah, now that the intro is done, we could just continue on with the yeah. whole PhD discussion. Just just put a little disclaimer saying the audio quality is going to vastly shift. Well, we'll just say that right now. We had to swap between Discord and Skype, everyone, due yeah. to issues with Discord's <laughs> core technology. So we're now on the superior platform, Skype. So that's why the audio has changed. So, Tom, you were uh, you were telling us about your many, many doctorates and PhDs. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a shame we got cut off because I was <laughs> listening to all of my achievements, and I really don't want to repeat them again. It's just it's too arrogant. Just know. That <laughs> well, then, uh, instead of listing all those doctorates, how about you uh, list some of the things you're involved in right now? Tell the tell the folks at home why Tom Papa's the big Papa in the world of comedy. Um, right now I basically have five jobs that I'm juggling right now. I have a a book that just came out called your dad stole my rake. So I'm running around promoting and selling that. And then that was my first book. And then I have, uh, come to Papa, which is my, uh, (laughs) that's a really good title. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It was, uh, it was, it was a title 
of my very first sitcom that only lasted four episodes. So, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to burn that come to Papa on just four episodes. <laughs> Get mileage out of it. Nice. And um, uh, then I took over the, I'm the head writer for Live From Here, which was the Prairie Home Companion which was Garrison Keillor's NPR radio show for 30 years. And, uh, and I took over, now there's a new host, Garrison is retired, and uh, I took over the comedy for that, so I'm now the, the head writer for that. And then, of course, my main gig is as, as a comedian. I'm always touring as a, uh, as a comic, so I'm always out there. That hasn't stopped. And then the latest one is this, this um, new show for the Food Network, called Baked, which is a show where I travel around to different cities and introduce people to the best baked goods that I can find, which came out of my uh, obsession for uh, baking sourdough bread. Really? That's interesting. Now, does that have uh, anything at all to do with weed culture in the food? I mean, baked, that that and that, or is it just just a title? No, uh, but just the fact that you asked that, Mm-hmm. shows me that the titles work. <laughs> it shows me that you are a fucking degenerate and I want to leave. Yeah. <laughs> I found your poor audience, Tom. You could not have called a more wholesome man a degenerate. <laughs> we can get young potheads and old women who like to bake all to tune in. We're going to be very successful. Hitting <laughs> those two key demographics. Imagine that. Imagine that fan made up. That'd be quite fun. <laughs> so, Tom, I'll, I'll apologize for my friend here calling you a degenerate. What you guys don't know is that Tom is one of the few comedians who keep it clean. I don't think I've ever heard you actually use a curse word, Tom. So, how about as a challenge, in this podcast to join you and don't swear oh. because we we're major big league potty mouths usually. How Wait, about really? a family-friendly episode? We can oh, try. Beautiful. Yeah, we can try. Yeah. Now, are we? Like are that. we? Uh, are we using substitutes like "dag nabbit" and "gosh darn" and things like that? Those are good. <laughs> like you, you always do that with the slurs, but no, it makes you work a little harder. <laughs> it's full of challenge. Make that choice, Tom, because that's. I mean, it is an interesting choice because most of the comedians that I listen to, I, I love comedy. It's how I learned English basically, but you virtually have to be very crude and, you know, shocking these days to make a career. I thought, but here you are. How does that work out for you? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I don't really, I'm not, I don't really curse that much in my everyday life. So it just kind of started off where I wasn't like setting out to be a clean comic. It just, when I would curse on stage, you know, when you're young and you're starting out and you're just desperate and you have no real jokes or confidence, so you, I would curse just to, like, <gasps> get by. And then you realize the audience, it just didn't sound natural. It was like I was trying to be someone that I wasn't. So then, um, so then it just kind of naturally went that way. And I kind of think, you know, when I was a 14-year-old boy, I wanted to hear George Carlin curse. You know, I wanted to hear mm. Richard Pryor curse. It makes it seem cool. It makes it seem edgier. But if, at this point in the culture, I mean, can we really be shocked by anything anymore? Like it was 
somebody's dropping F-bombs, is that really, like, edgy at this point? You know, I walk through, walk through the park and hear nine-year-old girls using it. It's like... (laughs) What kind of park is that? (laughs) It's a school of hard knocks park right there. No, he's not wrong. I mean, it's just in everybody's mouth these days. And uh, what do you mean with Carlin's seven words? Today, he got arrested for that bit at some point, right? And if he did it today, I mean, people would be bored listening to it. They would be offended by just how watered down his language is, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I feel like uh, there are people that are really good at it, and that just fits them, and they just, it's their personality, it's their vibe on stage, It's it kind of makes sense, you know? So I don't begrudge people for doing it. And a lot of times, I think, you know, would my audience be different if I was doing it more? I was about to say, I, I think this is just because you like that 80-year-old women audience for your baking <laughs> show, isn't it? And the, you don't want to scare them off. And the stone teenagers who think it's so cool that you're different, man. Setting an example. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you can't really worry about who's showing up and try and cater to them. You just kind of do what you do and those people show up and, you know... <laughs> If old women show up and give me candy from their bag after the show. <laughs> How's that happen? I don't know if those old ladies are so innocent. Wasn't Who was that old lady who had the biggest cooking show and she had like a slavery-themed wedding? Paula Dean. Betty, uh, or, yeah. Paula Dean. Were you going to say Betty Crocker? I was going to say Betty White, actually. Oh, not God, even worse. <laughs> Sorry to offend you, Betty White, if you're listening. I, I didn't mean to target you there. <laughs> <laughs> Famous racist Betty White. Even her last name. Come on. <laughs> what yeah. racist? Paul, Paul <laughs> Dean is the one you're thinking of, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Was she the X Factor? So. Uh, not X Factor. What is it? American Idol? Was she a contestant? Not a contestant. A judge there? No. No. Okay. I'm thinking of someone else. She was a, a celebrity chef from the South and made lot of southern american southern dishes and stuff and then she got busted for using the n-word mm-hmm. like oh yeah pretty pretty casually too and uh, <laughs> a bunch of other things and then she had like a uh she wanted to oh god it's with what kaya said she wanted to have like a plantation themed wedding where, oh my god. where i guess i guess her intentions were just kind of like this, you know, she didn't know what the fuck she was doing, but it was like, I want to have this hey, southern ball. Hey, hey, hey. No, I'm not defending her at all, but I'm saying that she was no, trying no, to tone ex- it down the language. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not trying to defend her at all, but she could. You could clearly tell that she was just completely oblivious to how fucking stupid what she was saying. Was. Oh my god, Andrew! Oh. Andrew. Uh, you're, you're right. Lost. Uh, I've lost. I'm out. You lost twice. You're right. Yeah. I'm out. Right. Uh, how, sorry. All right. Let me start over. How freaking? How freaking stupid? No, it sounded. See, that's the thing. You obviously use it a lot, and it sounded very natural. Yeah. And we wouldn't have blinked if we hadn't set a contest about. You're it. right. I've already, I've already lost. But uh, she, she wanted to have this like southern plantation style wedding, and I think she explicitly said that she wanted like all the hosts and servers to be black and wearing suits, and, and it's just very, very distasteful. And clearly not understanding what was wrong with what she was doing. What was she yeah. thinking? Was she like, and like, is she sitting around her table with her family, thinking it up? Is she like, this will be hilarious, or is she thinking this will be adorable? <laughs> like, why? She's just a fucking. She's just yeah. She's just in her own world. That was a close one, Charlie. That was close. 
I was just going to say. I cut you off. I knew he was going to say something bad, so I cut him off. Oh, it's hard. I was just, just going to say she's evil. It's hard, man. Yeah. What? She's in her own I world. Think... She's an old bat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think what she thought was it's just going to be a dinner party with her and her rich friends and nobody was going to leak it. It was going to be an inside joke. Nobody was going to know. Right. Yeah. And somebody. Yeah. Probably like her regular her regular Saturday night was probably similar to that. <laughs> <laughs> there's probably a group of her the rich friends. Plantation nut. Yeah, there's probably a group of her rich friends going, Oh, did you hear Paula's party got cancelled? Oh darn. I was looking forward to it. <laughs> oh god, I could I now have to put my SWAT stickers away. Ugh, I brought my lynching <laughs> rope and everything. <laughs> oh Jesus. Oh, gosh. I won't see these till Christmas. well that that kind of segues into an interesting topic tom since you're going to be on the food network is there any celebrity chefs or anything that you find fascinating or fun to be around um you know it's funny i was driving into uh into new york this morning and they were announcing something about a festival like some food festival around the new york area and they said and it'll, it's a great event, and you come out and you eat food and discover wines, and there'll be over 500 celebrity chefs. And I was like, 500? <laughs> Jesus. Possible city. Are there even they all live in a town together. Are there even 500 celebrity chefs on the Food Network? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's 500 in the war. Like, what is, <laughs> if you just make the post, you're a celebrity chef. <laughs> That is a lot of people. That's just the entire attendance of the uh, of the uh, festival. Everyone who shows up is a uh, celebrity. Yeah, they get knighted yeah. by Paula Dean at the entrance. <laughs> so, so Tom, even though you are a comedian and your focus is comedy, do you think after the show launches, you'll technically be considered a celebrity chef? I don't think I'll be considered a celebrity chef, but I'm. I might be. I some I'm I'm starting to be identified as someone in the food world. <laughs> I think like more people on social media send me pictures about of their bread and that they've tried to make and uh, and recipes and all that kind of stuff more than comedy related. So I think oh, uh, it's this weird and people are showing up at my live shows and bringing me bread. Oh well, that's great. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. They show up to your shows and get super disappointed when you don't start cooking bread or baking bread. <laughs> yeah, do you start doing a stand-up set and they're like, bake bread! <laughs> Boom! No, like, literally, people do yell out in the middle of the set. I don't, think... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people realize how difficult it is. I tried baking bread once and it turned into this disgusting brick that you could probably throw through carved windows and such <laughs> to start riots. It was It's really difficult to get everything right. And unlike cooking, with cooking, you can at least interfere with the process. If you, you know, you taste the soup, if it's not salty enough, you can put more salt in it. You cut some veggies into it. But with baking, once you put it in the oven, you just have to sit there and you have to watch your failure unfold in front of you. <laughs> Until it's done, you can't taste it beforehand. You can't do anything about it. Like you can't just throw more uh, flour into it, right? You just stuck. Yeah. yeah, no. There's a certain point, and it's it's like especially if you do it like with a sourdough starter, like with natural yeast. It's basically a three day process, and you can get all the way to the very end, 
and you just like you said, you're looking in, and it's coming out like a flat frisbee. <laughs> it's so disappointing. But that's what's so challenging. Like it's it is challenging, and once you get a, a sense of it and can do it, it it be, it just became an obsession. Like I just couldn't stop trying to get better and starting to learn more about it. When I would go on the road, I would just visit bakeries and find these people who are making <laughs> artisan bread and stuff and. My wife was like, this is amazing. Like most comedians go to strip clubs when they go on the road. <laughs> I'll just at the bakery again with old mom and pop. <laughs> I'm like taking pictures of me with a sticky bun. <laughs> <laughs> That's really That's cute. wholesome. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Bring, really cute. You should really bring the strip club to the bakeries next time. Yeah. Though. yeah. Imagine, imagine how popular it'd be if you were the guy who walked in the strip club with just a tray of fresh baked muffins, just ready to hand oh, them out. Man. That's what strippers love. <laughs> strippers love baked goods. <laughs> no dollar bills for them. Yeah. Just hot cross buns. No, you cash in. <laughs> yeah, hot bun strip club. I- I've got what you've needed this whole time. Love. Here you go. <laughs> there you go. No, it's good. It's just, I don't know what it was. It just became this kind of obsession. And, you know, bread, like, I have two kids, and it's like bread from the store. It has, like, 30 ingredients in it. Bread is only flour, water, salt, and yeast. That's it. And you people are have been saying they're having gluten problems, and it's so fattening. And, like, what's – and I just dawned on me. I'm like, why are we, the generation, after thousands of years of eating bread – why do we show up and all of a sudden bread is evil? It's like it's because it's not real bread. We're eating this processed stuff that technically isn't even bread. So once I started making it, it was better, and it was, everyone was enjoying it more. I was just I just got hooked on it. Do you make wow. uh, other fla- well flavors being the wrong verbiage for it? But do you make other variants of bread besides sourdough, or is that just like for lack of sourdough? Is kind of uh, it's it's kind of um, a name for the process rather than the type of bread in a way. You dumbass, Charlie. Oh, language. Language. You're out too. You, oh, yeah. you silly boy. <laughs> but you know, I, I Charlie, know. you are very ignorant. Come on. How dare you? <laughs> it's, uh, no, it's, um, it's kind of the, you, anytime you use a natural starter, a set, natural yeast, they call it sourdough, but it kind of mm. comes out as like you said, like different flavors, like a country loaf and how, using semolina flour or using a wheat flour and using all these different things. It all kind of comes from that, but it's not really just like the sourdough bre- dough bread you get like on the wharf in San Francisco. Do you ever get the crazy kind of fans who bring you stuff you would never want to try, even if they baked it themselves? Like, hey, I got this yeast from my wife's lady parts. I hope you like it. That sort of stuff. <laughs> no, they haven't showed up with that, but on social media, like whenever people like, you know, the dark side comes out, there's a lot of yeast. There's a lot of yeast jokes these days. <laughs> oh. The demon comes out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you use it for my wife's. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's a fucking, Oh my Lord. Oh, I think that's, Kyle, you're yeah. out. Done. You're out. Yeah. Kyle Kyle wins. wins. Somehow. We only got, Somehow, less, than, we got less than 20 minutes in and lost. <laughs> well, it's I still have to beat Tom. Oh, you yeah. game over. I mean, I'm still going to play the game. We'll just count that as a one minus gold star on my report card then. <laughs> I'm just passionate about bread because I, too, like to consider myself a bread sommelier. 
I, I basically tour Tampa looking for good breads. So far, the best one in Tampa, if you're ever in the area, Tom, would be the pretzel bread from Cooper's Hawk. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Very highly recommend that restaurant. I don't think it's a chain, but I think it has multiple locations. But they're their pretzel bread. M- Mother of God. Just another level. Of- yeah, heavens, heavens to Betsy, Tom. It is some great pretzel <laughs> bread. Alternatively, turn your car around and leave. <laughs> because Tampa is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like Tampa? It has swampy, disgusting air. You came during the worst like you're time. you're breathing a man's butt. <laughs> you came at the worst possible time, though. Yeah. yeah. The weather was yeah, not on your side. During Tampa's existence, yeah. I don't know how many hundred years it's been there, but... Just wait. a terrible place. What about all the theme parks? Oh, whoop-de-doo. <laughs> Kai doesn't like fun. Yeah. Do you love driving five hours, Tom? I don't. <laughs> yeah, when it's going someplace nice, maybe. Oh, that was cute. Yeah. See? Thank you. Someone who can look on man. the someone who can actually look on the bright side. Yeah. <laughs> a quality that's lost on this production. Exactly. If you're looking for a man qualified for the job to create some incredible bread, you can probably find him right now on ZipRecruiter. And likewise, if you can create some incredible bread, you can also be found on ZipRecruiter by a man looking for some incredible bread. Tell him about it, Jackson. So yeah, ZipRecruiter is basically this website where you can jump on and find someone for your job. Or if you're looking for a job, you can jump on there and advertise yourself and someone will find you like a sick little orphan. So ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. It's so effective, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. So ZipRecruiter is directly increasing employment chances so that's that's fantastic head on over to ziprecruiter.com slash official and you can use that service for free to find a job or find someone for your job that's ziprecruiter.com slash official o-f-f-i-c-i-a-l how many of those jobs are that are posted are in tampa (laughs) (laughs) well you can go to ziprecruiter.com slash official and find out tom it's probably half the population. Tampa's been kind of struggling on that front for a while. ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Tom, there you go. Speaking yes. of smart ways to hire, and my next point that has nothing to do with that, I would like to talk about the marriage ref, if you don't mind. So I, I enjoyed the show. I was watching a couple episodes before we uh, started this. I think it's very good. But I kind of got this vibe, and I want I want to know if maybe you can give us the down and dirty little the little scrumby stuff because it is it is based a reality based program. How much of the couple stuff is kind of scripted? How much of it is led on? How much of it is embellished? Like what what's the truth percentage on the marriage ref here? The truth percentage was very high. They oh. did like you know these couples would they would investigate these couples, and the couples basically the premise of the show was that when you're a married couple, you get in fights, and they never end. So you need someone Mm -hmm. from the outside to come in and end them for you. So people would send us videos of their issue, whatever their issue was, whatever their fight was. And they really took a long time to to make sure that we weren't being conned by the people, that Mm -hmm. these were 
that these were real fights. Because I got, there was a couple times where I was like, oh, that's hilarious. Let's use that. And then they dig a little deeper and realize they were full of it. And they kind of pitched to reality shows before or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that part, it was all legit, as legit as we could make it. And then, but when they showed up and they were there, um, you know, there's definitely producer, producers kind of prompting people and pushing people. Like I could tell even when they showed up on, on set, you would kind of walk out and this mild mannered couple that you just met backstage is all of a sudden like yelling and screaming on set. (laughs) And you realize some producer like got in their ear and was like, now remember you're on TV. So really get out there and let (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you know there's really some of that going on that's what i was kind of picking up and afraid of where i mean you'd, you'd watch some episodes and you could you could tell there was the reality was there but there was maybe a shot or two where it felt like you know they went well we need you screaming at them or we this or that so i i, I just i'm glad i got it from the host's mouth on what was really going on yeah and it was kind of uh that's never good when you take when you just take regular people and you ask them like turn it on for television, you mm-hmm. know it's not nine times out of ten that's going to be a horrible thing. So even as as the host like trying to talk to them and they're trying to get their bad jokes in and stuff like that, it, that that part was that was one of the struggles <laughs> of the show. <laughs> it was there were so many moving parts of that show. It got, got pretty weird. What was the worst couple fight on the show? Was there any like big fights that didn't make it into the show, maybe, or anything like that? Um, what, what, like some wife beating stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Now you get what the show's about. <laughs> I kept saying to Seinfeld, "Come on, it's hilarious." <laughs> he punches her in the face. <laughs> into an action scene. Yeah. <laughs> he drives a book everywhere. Motorcycle through the rafts. And, and then just full on, full frontal nudity sex right in front of the audience. Yeah. What do we make here? Ending. How about a fortune? <laughs> While this is all happening, I'll be in the corner baking my bread. Yeah. <laughs> and at the very end, just Tom Sourdough across the screen. <laughs> that would have saved the show. It would have gone three seasons if I'd already got to bake bread. <laughs> Could have been so much nicer. No, there was a, there was so, you know, it was part reality show. It was part game show. It was part talk show. It was, uh, there was a lot of stuff going on on that show, but you know, it was supposed to be like this little quiet show that starts, started off on like a Sunday night. We figure we'll be on at like seven for married people and it'll be this quiet thing and we'll figure out what, what, what the show even is. And then Jay Leno's show on Thursday nights. Remember he had that primetime show after. Tonight Show, they moved him to 10 o'clock mm-hmm. on the Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. And then when that crapped out, uh, they needed programming at 10 o'clock. And they came to Seinfeld and said, uh, how about Jerry returns to Thursday nights? And they kind of seduced him into going for it. And then they were acting like this show, The Marriage Rep, which we didn't even really know what it was was going to be like the savior for comedy for NBC again. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was a lot of pressure. Yeah. It was a lot of pressure. And then they started ramming promos down the viewers' throats all during the Olympics. Oh, boy. Wow. Non-stop. <laughs> to the point where Letterman even made a joke about it. There was like, uh, it was, there was like a luge guy that 
that year that went off the side of the track. <laughs> oh, it was that <laughs> year, <laughs> right? And they said there's there's a, it was like the top ten things uh, that he said as he was flying off the track. <laughs> And one of them was, please, no no more marriage rep promos. <laughs> so I was like, I remember watching it like, this isn't good. People don't like to be force-fed this kind of thing. And then when it came out, it was just like, okay, it's kind of an okay show. They were like, it's not the best thing. And Seinfeld struck out, and it, <laughs> it critically kind of took a hammering. Wow. Yeah. What did that do to you as a uh, like as a person? Did you feel betrayed by NBC or whatever, whatever company that was? You know, it was such a big thing, and it was moving so fast, and it was that it was uh, it was hard to focus on like what you don't realize when things like that are taking off. You don't realize what things are going to have impact or negatively or positively affect the end result. You know, you make these little things like. Yeah, we'll go on Thursday. That makes sense. And then all of a sudden, you you don't realize they're going to promote the hell out of it. And then, you know, you, you're like, okay, well, how about we use uh, white chairs? And then all of a sudden, they're like, you don't know what these little moves are going to do ultimately. So it's hard to feel betrayed until, like, you look back and kind of stitch the story together. Mm. Mm. I mean, but, you know, are you- everything was so big and it was under jerry's it was jerry's show that i remember being (laughs) upset during those promos when they first started and you thought it was cool like wow they promote our show during the thing they had seinfeld all over it and they wouldn't i was the host of the show and they never showed me they just showed seinfeld (laughs) at the the very last minute you'd see this tv show's hand like just just like gesturing (laughs) My wife was going crazy. She's like, what's with the hands? They don't show your face. They're just showing. (laughs) So you're telling me when the show actually, I was just going to, I just find it hilarious that when the show finally does premiere, you're like, I'm your host, Tom Papa. And people at home are saying, who the hell is this guy? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But then when the reviews came out and they're like, we don't think it's that great. And they blame Jerry. I was like, oh, thank God. They just showed my hands. Wow, that's lucky for you. Yeah, yeah, you lucked out. Didn't, I definitely didn't get the brunt of uh, of the negative press of it. But you know, it's interesting. It's one of those things where married couples really were into it, and they liked seeing that they weren't alone. It kind of just spoke to them. It wasn't supposed to be this hip thing, you know, for Thursday night. It was supposed to be for married people, and they still come up and ask about that show and wish it was on because there's nothing that really speaks to them kind of that way as corny as it is that's you know married people are corny <laughs> and they want their corny shows <laughs> and uh it no longer exists for them oh did they ever try to script some sort of a series finale amazing like plot twist between you and your wife maybe like one day you're the contestants did that idea ever come up no, but a, during a lot of interviews, of course, people were always asking, like, so what are the fights that you and your wife get into? And we don't really fight. We don't really. We're one of those couples that just quietly keep it in and become passive aggressive later. <laughs> the healthy way. Yeah. The marriage ref The way. American spirit. Yeah. So it was like I had to just like manufacture things like fights that we never had just to get through the interview. 
So, oh, oh Jesus, you're not that wholesome then. You're a liar. You're a liar. To yeah. vulnerable people. I'd rather swear than be a liar. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom, how much uh, on the show, how much were you specifically scripted? Because uh, you, you got to make decisions on the bouts, and I, I noticed that when it came to the wrap-ups and the calls, you had a lot of, I don't know, zingers, I guess you could call them. How, how much were you given leeway on with your comic writing and that was kind of a, a fight back and forth actually because Jerry who was like my mentor and you know this comedy icon came from scripted television and mm-hmm. this is a show where you're just kind of you know having discussions with people and he wanted to write everything he wanted everything like he wanted everything scripted even that what I was saying he wanted me to have all these lines and rehearse these lines and get it and I was like this is gonna come off fake. I just want to go out there and just use my improv skills and just be funny. So it kind of was this kind of uh, <laughs> tense struggle back and forth for a while. And I had to, you know, I, he's the boss, so I would have to do some of it. Like you said, like I, there were those wrap ups kind of things. They were almost kind of monologues. And I would just take whatever he did have that was scripted that I kind of had to get through. I would try and just make it my own and kind of change a little bit. But it's so hard, you know. You, you've got Jerry Seinfeld saying, "This is the way yeah. you do it. This is how this is how comedy's done." And you're like, you just stare and look in this guy's eyes and say, "No, let me tell you how comedy's done." <laughs> <laughs> you really can't do that. Did that sully your impression of Jerry Seinfeld as a comic? No, because that's kind of that's the way he is. Like his act is very written, very precise. He's like a He's like a scientist. He's not a guy that, like, he's not a Richard Pryor that would kind of find it and kind of move around and it's very natural. Jerry is very much, this is the joke and it's been edited and we boil it down. And he does it to a degree that nobody else can do. You know, like, he really is that precise and builds these narratives and these jokes that nobody else spends that much time and works that hard on it. And that's why his are... You know, that's why for 40 years he's been on the the top of the food chain. So it didn't make me um, think of him any less, but I couldn't be him. Right. Mm-hmm. Different. It's just basically different methods. You you mm-hmm. re- still respect someone who's who has a different method if their content is good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, look, I know you're funny. I know you're <laughs> in house in the Hamptons in a private jet. But let me just do a couple things, pal. Wow. <laughs> let me show you how to make some bread. <laughs> so, Tom, uh, you, you mentioned Richard Pryor. My memory's failing me. Could you remind me what his 1976 album was called? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I was just going for cheap shots. Yeah, yeah you're trying too hard. Was yeah, that yeah. on the Sunset Strip? <laughs> It's good. It has to be a, some kind of swear word. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good one, too. Before, hold on. Be, That's Paula Dean level, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, his show's not even on the Food Network yet. Give him a chance. <laughs> Guy's trying to sink his ship immediately. <laughs> Give me a chance to do something inappropriate on my own time. <laughs> There's something I, I wanted to do. Something I wanted to bring up before we get off of uh, 
Jerry train because this is something we've talked about with Dan Harmon because Dan Harmon is known to not be very uh, comedically gifted if he's telling like a joke in person or unscripted is Jerry kind of in the same boat like he can only write comedy or in your experience with him was he still entertaining as a individual unscripted no Jerry's uh Jerry's very funny most of the time it's kind of uh annoying he's very <laughs> He's really, really smart, and he's really, really funny. And the weird thing about him is that he never, like normal people, run out of stuff to say. <laughs> and you have moments where you, you just you don't have anything to talk about. He, it's one of those guys that never seems to run out. It's uh, it's annoying. I love those people though because they kind of take the pressure off you. If they if they can just keep talking and bringing up subjects, and you can just kind of ad lib. Yes, that's true. But then in my quiet moments, I'm like, maybe, maybe that's why he's great and <laughs> baking bread by myself. Maybe my wife would be happier with him. <laughs> <laughs> maybe my wife would love to be on that plane. <laughs> you listening at home, your wife would love to see you shaven better than you currently are. Maybe <laughs> tell him about it, Andrew. <laughs> I mean, we're all we're all men. We all have body hair. We all know what a razor is. I don't have to. I don't have to talk down to you. But what I can talk up to you about is the amazing products at the Dollar Shave Club. No matter what you do in the bathroom to get ready, whether it's somersaults, front flips, or hand waves, Dollar Shave Club has everything that you need to look, feel, and smell your best. I've tried many of their products myself, such as their shaving butter. And their razors, I believe every other boy on the podcast has fact uh-huh. tried Dollar Shave Club products. We actually, in fact, realistically endorse them. I'm sure that Tom Papa, if he were listening to us right now, <laughs> would say, Boy, do I love Dollar Shave Club. I'm Tom Papa. <laughs> Did you assume I had passed out? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And right now, you can get ready with an amazing deal on any one of their starter sets. I recommend the Daily Essential Starter Set because I love the Amber Lavender Body Cleanser. That's four words together to make something great. You can't go wrong with any of the starter sets. Head on over to dollarshaveclub.com slash official. That's right. To pick out your own starter set for $5. And after that, your products will ship at regular price. Make sure to check out their new video as well. I just came too. What did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> well, you missed. Uh, you Not almost much. missed my next question, Tom. Uh, <laughs> so the marriage ref obviously had a lot of big name comedians attached to it. I'm, I'm wondering how much involvement did they have in their own episodes? Like I saw um, one episode had Larry David, and obviously he and Seinfeld work very closely. How much were they kind of involved in the process? Um. They were, they would, you know, they would just show up and kind of uh, wing it. They didn't have to do too much prep, you know. They just, uh, they just showed up. The problem was, the problem was, the first season was Jerry's Rolodex, so it was all <laughs> his famous friends, and the network thought, oh, we're always going to have Madonna on, <laughs> and then he stopped making phone calls in season two, and all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden we're. Uh, trying to do a, a comedy show with Gloria Stefan as your main. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
find that really funny, and I don't know why. <laughs> Gloria is stuff. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, I think actually she was on with Donald Trump. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Pretty oh, sure. Let's see here. He's the yeah, I've, I've got the list. I've got the list up here. You had. Uh, <laughs> I got. I got the list up here. I pulled up the Wikipedia page. Donald Trump, Gloria Stefan, and Adam Carolla. Wow, Ugh. I just love that. He's the president. That's making trying to make a comedy show. By the way. Oh no, that's that's a recipe for disaster. Oh god, Trump's weird thing. He showed up. And immediately, he's a very imposing guy. He's tall and handsome in his big suit. And uh, he, I remember he came in and immediately was talking about the ratings, how we're going to do great tonight. We're going to get great ratings. <laughs> we're going to do great. You Wait till you see. Nice to meet you. We're going to do great. We're going to have great ratings. <laughs> he was obsessed. And then when we were out there like doing the show, he would make uh, comments off of the videos and whatever. All of his comments about women – would eventually get to women's breasts. <laughs> when he thought he was making a, a funny point or scoring or something, he would turn to me and give me a wink. <laughs> You're implicated, man. You're in on it. It wasn't for the cameras. I was the only one that could see it. <laughs> like I was being date raped on my own show. <laughs> that is amazing. This is some cool gossip about Donald Trump. Oh, God, and I believe all of it. There's not even any yeah. shadow of doubt in my mind that this happened. No, it was just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hang on, what year exactly was this, Tom? Oh, God, I don't know. I would say... Don't worry, Tom. <laughs> he, was, he was date raped. Don't worry, Tom, is the resident expert on this show from Wikipedia, 2010. 2010? Yes, so eight years so... ago this happened. Into like how many affairs deep into his marriage was he at that point? Oh God! Are we adding up all the marriages? <laughs> yeah, one from each day. Maybe he was hitting on you, Tom. Yeah, maybe you were next. That's what I felt like. I was like, "What's going to happen after this?" <laughs> going to need some security detail. I was like, "If we do get great ratings, what do I owe this man?" Oh my lord. Was he personally offended when the show didn't get great ratings? Did he call up? No, but you know what? He did. There was when he, I guess it was like maybe four years later. Like whenever he kind of fake ran for president the first time, <laughs> he made some comment that was, I don't know if it was racist or what it was. I remember he had made some contra- Jerry was supposed to go <laughs> perform for him somewhere. And Trump got into a little trouble. He made some comment. I think it was a little racist from what I remember. But, and Jerry said he wasn't going to do it. He canceled the gig. So then Trump wrote this letter to the media or something. And he was the same way that he bashes people now. He was like, Jerry Seinfeld canceled. Not that we needed him. He's a loser. He, I, I did him a favor and went on his failing talk show. It was a horrible show, and I did it anyway. And for him to cancel on me, everyone calls him a great comedian, and he's nothing but a loser. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, this guy is really. <laughs> At the end of that, did he say, P.S. Wow. Tom Pop is the best? <laughs> Wiki face. Yeah, XO. <laughs> with that guy with the hands in the promo, not a bad guy. <laughs> 
big hands my, like mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who had equal hands to mine, not a bad guy. It's still one of my favorite facts about Trump is that apparently he still sends people photos of his hands circled with a golden sharpie. Oh, my God. <laughs> what, what does that even mean? Why does he do that? It's an arts and crafts because, project. No, because people say he has small hands and therefore implying he has a small penis. So apparently he keeps sending photos of his big hands to some critic every year, <laughs> circling them with a golden sharpie. Just <laughs> If the insult is that he's got a small penis, like if you can read into that subtext, why doesn't he just send his penis to everyone? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, you can nip that in the bud right now. But it's so weird. I mean, he's always been that guy. There's nothing, there's nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah. He didn't become this. He's He was always that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So weird. But still, not as funny as Gloria Stefan. <laughs> She's top of her game. <laughs> Comic genius. Speaking of that, though, to go off of uh, that subject, how about talk shows? That's something I've kind of wanted to know about. How much of you've been on a ton of late night shows? How much of that is scripted? Um. Ooh, yeah, that's a good question, actually. Like when you sit down on the panel, like when you sit opposite the host and talk, like that. Yeah, yeah. Like with a Leno, you went on Leno a ton of times. Yeah, Leno, yeah, and, and I've done it. I think I've even done more Conan. But um, in the beginning, they, they'll they have a producer ask you for what you want to talk about, and they kind of produce your segment. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay, so what are you going to talk about? And for as a comedian, I always go on, and I'm just going to pretty much try and get to material. I'm going to try and get to jokes that I want to tell rather than just standing up. I'm just going to use it in a conversational way, but I'm still delivering my jokes and in the beginning they kind of are right up there on top of you and really want to know what you're doing but the more comfortable they get with you the more confident the more times you're on the show you just tell them have them ask me something about a b and c and then they kind of like let me go you know okay okay. so it it, it depends on you still have to give them stuff because he's definitely sitting there with questions ready to go mm-hmm. that there's nobody even with big you know movie stars no one just comes out there let's see what's going to happen now do you think that's just a a treatment you got since you are in that field and that's your expertise do you think maybe a, that experience would be different if it was say you know one of us who've never done something like that would they script out everything line by line or is it still just going to be kind of just what do you want to hit and how are we going to get there yeah but they'll want to hear what you're going to say in the beginning they'll okay. They'll, you'll say, ask me something about my cat. Okay, so what are you going to say? And then they'll want to they'll want to hear you kind of go through it in the beginning. But then once you're more successful and you start hanging out with Gloria Stefan, <laughs> then I think they're going to let you do what you want to do. Right, fair enough. You gotta I, I see. That, right? I see what you're doing right now. You're you're uh, testing a whole a whole set on us right now, aren't you? Your your new set's going to be about Gloria Estefan or whatever her name is. She's going to be the uh, first guest on Baked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I'm being totally honest, this whole interview has been scripted. <laughs> well, that's that's even more impressive, really. Yeah. I'd be a little scared. It was so weird that you went into ZipRecruiter because I totally wrote that. <laughs> Oh, yeah? Did you write Blue Apron? Oh, tell him about it, Andrew. Oh, well, I don't need to. He's got the script. Why don't you tell him about it, Tom? 
Do you ever get hungry? <laughs> Damn it, he knows what blue apron is. <laughs> you ever want to make food, but you don't have the skills of Tom Papa and can't bake and make things on your own or even shop because you're so you're such a mess. You're, you have no skills, just desire. You're one of those people that says, I'm going to write a screenplay, but never does. Yes. Well, in the culinary world, we have Blue Apron. We'll deliver you ingredients and then show you how to put them all together and make it look like you made something. Wow. Jesus, Jackson, did you send him the yeah, script really? we got? No, this, this is, is the best ad read we've ever had. This is insane. <laughs> Blue Apron. Dot com slash official. <laughs> making you feel a little less of a loser than you already are. Is that right? That was literally I mean, yeah. like 95% <laughs> correct. <laughs> well, what did I get? Don't call the customers a loser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're winners. <laughs> if they do Blue Apron, yeah. No, you were you were you you were resoundingly spot on. I'm impressed. So you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free at blueapron.com/official. That's blueapron.com/official. Get your first three meals free through Blue Apron. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Do you want to quickly go through the two meals there? This is what's on the menu for this month. You can get cheeseburgers with spicy slaw. Seared chicken and tangy barbecue sauce. Beautiful. That's what you can get this month. So go check it out as per Tom Papa's request. Exactly. It's his command. Tom, if you ran Blue Apron, what kind of meal would you have them prepare or, or you know, send people the ingredients for them to prepare? Um, I would just do nachos <laughs> all the time. Mmm. I would send them cheese with with, <laughs> with cheese meat and and chip. That'd be the best Blue Apron uh, box ever. Just a bag of Doritos and some cheese. It's really depressing. And I would make the delivery guy throw it from the curb like a newspaper. <laughs> you must have been really uh, on a budget crumpled. there. Yeah, yeah. No placing it in your little box by your door. I want these thrown at the customers from the mailbox. Maybe he's on to something. That's the next thing, like a paper boy with blue apron type things, or nachos, rather. Yeah. Well, it's a step back. Like Amazon is literally trying to deliver your stuff into your mouth at some point. Uh, what, true. what happened to that program where they were trying to make deliveries into your house? Oh, yeah. I'm, Even when you're not I'm, at home. They still Remember are. That? We just don't know about it yet. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're plotting it out with Alexa. Oh Jesus! Yeah, you're asking points. Alexa when you're not home. <laughs> oh my God, that's scary to think about. Uh, uh, that's actually believable, to be honest. They probably do have that kind of information on when you are in your house and when you're not. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Google just the other week admitted that even when you turn off your location services, they still track your location. Is anyone really surprised? Somehow this though? was a surprise. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I feel safer. Yeah, yeah. What if I get like kidnapped? Then Google can save me. No, the, you have to you have to go through Google support. No one's gonna oh. be able to save you with that. If anything, process. I'll be even more lost after that. If anything, they'll just show you advertising suitable to your situation. Like, do you need some box cutters to get out of those ropes? <laughs> they'll send a little drone out. I'm just gonna put Google down as my emergency contact. <laughs> That's a bold move. Just google.com. <laughs> Just google where I am and how to help me. 
You're at the hospital and the nurse is like, what do we do with this? It's just Google.com. We went, we went to, to search room. Under a pile of rubble, you just hear, Alexa, dig me out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've added a shovel to your wish list. <laughs> I mean, you joke, but at some point, I feel like that could be reality. No joke, because with the Boston Dynamics guys, oh, imagine yeah. one mm-hmm. of those dogs that they make, those creepy, amazingly talented robot dogs, and hook that up to Alexa. So when you just talk into your Apple iWatch or whatever it is, and you say, Siri, dig me out of this earthquake rubble. And Siri will just deploy an armada of robot <laughs> dogs to rescue you. That sounds, like some, that sounds cool. I like that. And when you come out, Elon Musk is there with like a trophy. Is <laughs> your very own submarine. <laughs> I bought Boston Dynamics while you were buried. <laughs> I needed yeah, to act. We saved you, you stupid pedophile. <laughs> Why, Why are they, they a pedophile? Does that count as a swear word? Does that count as a swear word? Is Kyra out? No, he's, no, he's, no, no, he's, no. Oh, that's yeah. not it's a reference to when Elon Musk called somebody a pedophile on Twitter. Uh, I, 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 th- yeah, I thought angry. you were implying the person who was buried was a pedophile, and I thought this was a really layered story. No, <laughs> no it's, it's just a clever reference, Andrew. Like the boys who got caved in, and then the, the rescuers were right. called names. <laughs> <laughs> on Pedophile Island. <laughs> oh. oh. You know of Pedophile Island, Tom? No, I'm just throwing it out there. Is oh. It's an actual thing. It's very much a thing. Is it for real? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the uh, Pitcairn Islands, which is one of the most remote islands to any other civilization. It's technically the British own it, but it's this island of like 50 inhabitants. It's like they have a population of 56 and almost half of them have been convicted of owning child pornography which is even more impressive when you think about the fact that they don't even have proper internet. So they have to (laughs) smuggle flash drives on boats basically. And we had this whole idea of how we could basically invade the Island. If you really try to, with a couple of fans, (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's impressive too, that there's only 50 people. And obviously one of them is a cop. (laughs) (laughs) They they haven't figured out who. (laughs) He's still undercover. He's deep undercover. <laughs> Come on, guys. Someone here is snitching on us. <laughs> yeah, narc. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not cool. It's really, it's a super goofy story, though, because they didn't even have a jail on the island. They had to build a jail just to house all the convicted pedophiles. Oh, my God. And then the British government told them that they had to give up all of their guns and the entire island runs on this shoddy electrical grid that only one old man knows how to operate. So all in all, there's like, there's maybe 15 fighting age men and the rest is like women and children. What I'm saying is like us and a couple of fans listening to this, we could absolutely invade that island within an hour tops. <laughs> it could be and if that doesn't work... What a fan pointed out to me, what I really liked is, if you want to go the pacifist way, 50 of us could move to that island and literally just outvote everybody else. <laughs> Democracy, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Peaceful exchange of power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. All we have to do is get lower the, lower the age where kids can vote, and we're going to win by a land. 
<laughs> You're on to something. I like it. He's thinking yeah. long term too. That's a double edged sword though, because then the pedophiles are gonna be like, see, yeah, it's, you lowered the age of consent. <laughs> if this is another weird way for you to segue into an ad, I'm very curious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I can use it to segue into your book if you like. Tell us a little about that. Yeah. You said it was your first book, right? Yeah, I wrote a book, a real book. It's called Your Dad Stole My Rake and Other Family Dilemmas. And uh, it's hilarious. And it's all about uh, family life. It's broken down with everybody in your family from like moms, dads, cousins, children, whatever. And uh, yeah, it's really, uh, it took me a couple of years to write it. And people really like it, which was, it wasn't even like I felt good that people enjoyed it and thought it could write. I was just relief. <laughs> like, you, you know, if you, you tell a joke and people are like, yeah, that's not funny, fine. But if you write a book and people are like, wow, that guy really can't write. He's illiterate. <laughs> that book is yeah. still out there, you know. It's like baking in a sense, like if you put two years into it and then only at the end do you find out that you messed up. Yeah, exactly. It was uh it was kinda nerve wracking, but uh but I liked it. I think I'm gonna uh, write another one. Baking bread, writing books and doing radio. It's uh I'm not exactly on the Kevin Hart trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a more old-fashioned approach to it, though. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot less pressure. It's always, it's definitely uh, surrounded by good people, readers and people who bake. You don't find a lot of uh, awful people who decide to open up a shop and bake cookies for the community. It's been, it's been a cool thing. I think, um, you know, writing a book, and I kind of feel like as a comedian, when you get old and you can't travel anymore, but you still have stuff to do. Like if I can just stay at home and write, it'll be, it'll be a good like retirement thing for me. At a certain point, you don't want to look at someone's old face unless you're Don Rickles. But that even that, even that face is tough to look at these days. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, are you ready to retire at this point? I mean, do you see yourself retiring in five or even 10 years from now? No, I really don't. I I mean, you know, I, I really don't, see myself retiring ever i think i just i'll go as long as i can i don't uh i really i love doing all this stuff it's where it's where i get all of my uh my joy i I think it's you know having a family's okay (laughs) do any of you guys want to retire i think jackson does he's always talking about quitting (laughs) (laughs) i'm dying from the flu uh, I probably won't have a choice. <laughs> You'll just be dead. <laughs> I don't want to retire. I'd be bored. It's like you said, mm-hmm. I just, for my life, we're all young, unlike you. But <laughs> I just want a job that I could do as almost a hobby that I wouldn't end up hating. And if it earns you money, all the better. I just, the other day, I was looking at all these ideas on how you could make money. And I came across this documentary about a dude in Germany who. Last year, he earned half a million euros selling merch to Nazis. Jesus. Literally just selling Nazi t-shirts. And he made half a million euros in a single year. And now I'm looking to get into that business. (laughs) Yeah. Doesn't sound like a crowded market. Sounds like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Exactly. To think that there's so many Nazis. 
Who do you sell these to? It's amazing. They're always making new Nazis. There's always there's always a new crop. <laughs> there's a Nazi born every minute, I tell you. <laughs> if if you go to scam someone as well and take money off someone, it may as well be a Nazi. Yeah, that's a good point. There's no better target for sure. Inflate the price. I mean, not like- even. It's not like you're scamming them with fake T-shirts. They get the product. <laughs> Just baffling to you, me that you could rub like lemon juice into them or something before you send it. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder how many of those T-shirts have Paula Dean on it. <laughs> Actually, yeah, maybe Paula Dean's just their main audience. Maybe that's it's, she's just bought a box full of the merch. She's probably the one selling them. From the sample shirts they showed, he basically just took a bunch of movies and modified them to be Nazi references. Like he takes stormtroopers and then just photoshops them into being clansmen. And it says, like, join the White Empire. Uh, Stuff like that. And Germany has, you would think, strict laws about Nazi imagery. So you can't do something like uh, downright show the Nazi flag or use Hitler's name. So instead they say, you know, he just removes the I in Hitler. And just puts that text on his shirt, and that's it. He can, he can just sell it. Jeez. That's, that's clever. clever. Yeah. See, that guy's never going to retire. <laughs> He's he in loves too his deep. job. He hates minorities. <laughs> yeah, you guys going to have a good, nice, nice long run. Who else could you sell to? What other group? If he has the Nazi thing cornered, I don't know. Who do you go after? Exactly, that's what I've been thinking about. Like, how, what is a good get-rich scheme where, let's say, you know, assuming you're morally flexible and you don't have a problem catering to Nazis and other scum. <laughs> <laughs> I like that it. it's morally flexible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what other What other group? Klansmen, I guess that could be something. It could be oh, yeah, the, the same. same. Yeah, same niche. It falls in the same blanket. Yeah. <laughs> You're crossing, yeah. I don't know. Little people? Sell just stuff to little people? You're equating little people to Nazis? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> there, there goes the Food Network show. <laughs> no, I'm saying what group isn't being heard? Maybe, we, we, maybe, maybe that's the market that we go after. I'm not saying, I'm saying we're just making shirts. <laughs> Furries, maybe. Oh, uh, do you know what furries are? Different. No. Oh, furries. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those mascotty. Yeah, the mm-hmm. people that dress up as animals and stuff, and then have orgies in hotel rooms. <laughs> that market's already been tapped on, though. Like, there's so much available oh, for the, yeah. that niche. Yeah, yeah. The, it, yeah. it used to be yeah, this underground bucks. fucking thing, but now the top, like, what, 10 Patreon campaigns and Kickstarters are just, I'm making furry porn. Oh, my God. It's insane. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. really easy to find people yeah. making thousands and thousands a month. Thousands. Like, most of them make about 40, 40 grand a month off of Patreon just to draw naked animals yeah. or some shit. It's crazy. It's crazy how much in the last, I don't know, couple years, furry porn has exploded from being this, like, weird niche on the internet to being all over everything. God, it's so bizarre. Have you it seen any of it? Oh, of course. I do my research. Are you, sure. asking, are you asking for it. links? <laughs> <laughs> 
Is it just like... (laughs) I will say, out of what I've seen, some of the people on Patreon earn their money. They're not bad artists. No, I I honestly think a lot of it's really well done. I think the community has very talented people. It's because of the money drive. They're not necessarily part of the community most of the time. They're just artists that have, like, locked in on this community of people with this need. Like, they fall into the dark side and just start drawing furry porn for money. Who can blame them when you're making 40 grand a month? Jesus. So we got to go on the dark web and see what's the next weird fetish that's going to blow up. Yeah, and then draw it. <laughs> Make t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fetishes, fetishes have just, in general, blown up recently. Like, in the 90s, they weren't a massive deal or anything, but now people are, like, pissing on each other and all this wild people shit. People were always doing it. It just said now yeah, everybody is so shameless yeah. because you're yeah. not allowed to shame anything. Well, the yeah, second you open your mouth to make fun of somebody, it's like, oh, are you are you shaming them? Oh, what are you, some backwards, old-fashioned, Bible-thumping redneck? Times no, have changed, just... Grandpa. <laughs> no, I just... Yeah, you bigot. Yeah. I just think it's weird when you pee on everybody's feet. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> was... You heard it from Tom Papa. Jeez, man, you are trying hard yeah. to sink your career out here. That's a little specific, Tom. Do you have something you want to be shameless about right now, live on the air? We all have a search history, fellas. Oh, I like, I like <laughs> that. That's yeah. a good one. Words yeah. to live by. That works for me. Wait, do you not do anonymous searching or whatever it is? Anonymous browser? You, you're shameless enough to just go straight into Google Chrome and search it up on the vanilla stuff? Well, I don't even search it. Google just presents it each night right before bedtime. <laughs> I was thinking of you and... <laughs> right while you were at work I, I, came, I came up with three new things <laughs> that would make Google Assistant useful based on what you didn't shut immediately last night <laughs> <laughs> that would be great no I don't uh, I've got two daughters so I'm kind of uh, kind of off porn I can't look at porn anymore they're now nah. turning into women and uh how old are they? Uh, 16 and 13. Oh, yikes. Yeah, it's getting to that awkward age. Yeah, I masturbate Ooh. to newscasters now. <laughs> Classy, respectable women. Yeah. <laughs> oh. 60 year old women in bone density fights. <laughs> well, well, actually, that leads to that's a great segue into one of our most uh, illustrious questions on this show. Tom, do you have any interesting masturbatory tales for us? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Are you just saying that because your daughters might listen to this? Yeah, probably. Oh, that's, oh, that's so Honestly, cute. Honestly, that's probably wise. Yeah, yeah. that's cute. Yeah. I'll let, we'll let that fly then. I don't masturbate and I don't use drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I don't wait until marriage for sex. <laughs> well, shout out to your daughters in case they should ever for some reason have a lapse in judgment and listen to this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they do Tom what's what's a secret to fatherhood that nobody tells you the secret to fatherhood is to show more affection to your wife than you do your children <laughs> does your wife, does your wife get jealous? jealous yeah your wife will get jealous if you come home and say hello to your children before you say hello to your wife your wife will get mad there'll be tension the kids won't see an example of of uh, love and stable relationships. So you kind of always have to uh, put your wife ahead of your children. 
So in, you're serious right now. Yeah. See, I, yeah. I, I don't know oh, enough so, about marriages and children and stuff to really disregard this. So instead of uh, showing your kids love directly, you want to show it secondhand by showing love to your wife. Just yeah. You want you want your children to know that uh, they're not really that important. <laughs> okay. So this is a joke. <laughs> you gotta work for it. My son's got to be the starter on his baseball team before I say I love him. <laughs> That's right. He's got to pitch a show, a shutout before I'll even shake his hand. <laughs> yeah, they got to work for it. I mean, I think that's fair advice. Yeah, I think. (laughs) And travel and leave home as often as you can, (laughs) (laughs) and live mostly on the road. (laughs) Things are going to go great. That sounds like just general health advice at that point. Just get away, (laughs) get out of here. Yeah, just leave, and uh, they'll want you to come back eventually. I imagine it must have been difficult for you to get used to living with three women. Um, yeah, well, it's kind of gradual. It doesn't seem like it's that strange of a thing until they get older and then you realize, oh, there really is a difference between all of us. <laughs> they don't, uh, when they're little, it doesn't seem to make that much of a difference, but then you're kind of saved or I was kind of saved because they, um, because they're two girls, they like me much more than their mother. Oh, so How does that work? Yeah, your pro your pro life hacks seem to work. Yeah, no, it totally works. They don't, you know, the mother's too close to them. They they see themselves in their mother. They don't. There's more tension there, and the father's just like this fun guy that kind of hangs out. Uh masturbates occasionally, right? <laughs> <laughs> masturbates while doing bong hits. <laughs> You've discovered our primary audience. <laughs> Then they're gonna love baked. <laughs> do you think? Do you That's think they're plug. just using you to get to uh, Jerry Seinfeld, though? Uh, no, they're more interested in from old TV shows. They're more interested in Friends than Seinfeld. Oh, okay. Hmm. That's yeah. interesting. All the uh, all their friends, all their young little friends, watch Friends constantly. That's an interesting choice. It had like a renaissance pretty recently. Uh, they re put out the seasons, I don't know what to say, re-aired the seasons recently because there's such a high demand for it for the younger people. Really? Mm-hmm. Friends. Isn't, didn't they huh. put it on Netflix? And then yeah. the, you know, our generation, our shameful generation started complaining about it for being too offensive. I don't recall that. I just know they put it on Netflix because there was such an outcry for Friends. Yeah, they love it. It's super popular with teenagers. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Seinfeld, not so much. Oh. Yeah, that's a shame, though, because Seinfeld, oh, yeah. that, that used to be Seinfeld's mantle. Like in the 90s and the oh, early yeah. 2000s, people wanted more Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. And that that's when Friends was like actually on and in its prime. And now that that's off, now no one really wants Seinfeld and they want Friends. It's pretty interesting. It, it Yeah. And I mean, Seinfeld still holds up as well. Does, uh, is Friends holding up or is there what like what's I'm not seeing the appeal why they would just love Friends that much. I don't know. I think uh, I don't know what it is. I, they haven't articulated it, but they just they just love it. Even though, even though some stuff is dated, mm-hmm. like they'll, they'll kind of mock that some of those little things, the dynamic of them all being together and whatever's going on, they're, they're really into it. Man. Yeah. That means that means in like ten or so years, people are gonna 
start an outcry for the Big Bang Theory and stuff like that. <laughs> you make that's jokes. Sad. It's finally ending. You make jokes. Yeah, it's ending. And I guarantee you that's going to happen. Oh, absolutely. Gonna, I guarantee you in 10 years you're going to see retrospective articles. How Big Bang Theory was so ahead of its time. <laughs> how, it, how it changed the world. How it was so just different than everything else. Like One bazinga at a time. Yeah. Ugh, God. It was just... We'll all be dead by the flu from that at that point. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yep. Yay. Patient Zero Jackson uh, over here with the super flu. Yeah. I really do feel like I've got a super bug in me at the moment of some kind. I think it's a new variant. Oh, great. Well, I'm, it's an honor to be on your final podcast. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Tom. Well, it'll be yours too, Tom, after all this career syncing you've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like people being on shoes. Oh, yeah. God, you don't yeah. get to deal with friends. Like what the fuck? You should not have made an enemy out of Trump. First of all, <laughs> should have winked back. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> should have told him you find his daughter hot too. Could <laughs> be an inner circle right now. That seems like a real safe space. <laughs> oh yeah, literally everybody he knows is gonna end up in jail. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's his master plan it's brilliant really when you think oh, about it that's a good point it's like a game of thrones plot almost everybody who's <laughs> even slightly offended him is being prosecuted <laughs> he'll be the like last standing I yeah. told him so <laughs> it's so scary that is a good question though do you think he remembers going on that show and winking at you and such um, I don't know, but I think that's, there's so much, uh, I think there's a short attention span thing going on. I don't think he probably remembers seeing me at all. He just remembers Seinfeld not doing that gig for him. Mm. Mm. That's what I'd say too. Maybe not you specifically, but he's definitely such a self-conscious person and vindictive and spiteful that he definitely remembers you know, just Being not getting slighted. great ratings. Right, yeah. Yeah. and blaming it on a Stefan. <laughs> that harpy sank the whole thing. <laughs> Gloria is fucking Stefan. I haven't heard that name that in old, decades. That old battle soon as well. That old battle axe. That's a good expression. <laughs> I, I always like that one. Norm Macdonald's used that a couple times, and I really like that one. Yeah. Having said that, though, Tom, uh, call a, Jesus, I can't even focus. Please shout out your shit, your stuff. What do, what do you what do you want people to be directed to? Someone else do this. Jesus, I'm well, getting dizzy. Uh, it's been very nice having you. I'm sorry that Jackson is uh, indisposed. Jeez. Uh, if there's anything you'd like to promote, anything you want to plug, shout out, social media, anything, please. Now is the time. Possibly my funeral. <laughs> oh, this is so. This is the saddest ending to a podcast ever. Um, uh, go to. Uh, Watch Baked on the Food Network starting on Labor Day. It's going to be on every Monday. And then uh, buy my book on Amazon. Your dad stole my rake. It's uh, just ask Alexa and she'll send it to you. She'll have it on your <laughs> she'll have it on your pillow by the time you get downstairs. <laughs> and uh, you can follow me on social media at, at Tom Papa. Beautiful Great. man, awesome. Yeah, yeah. thanks for coming thanks on, man. For spending hey. some time with us. Labor Day is on the 3rd, right? Uh, yes, Labor Day is September 3rd. Beautiful. Perfect. So this episode will come out like three days before, so it'll be fresh on everybody's mind and they can check out Baked on the Food Network. 
Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. This was fun. No, thank yeah, you. Really enjoyed nice having you, on, man. you, man. All right. I'll talk to you again. Maybe uh, they'll invent something better than Skype. <laughs> we can only pray. <laughs> Hold on to hope. Yeah. All right, guys. See ya. And then you can send us out, Jackson. Yeah, we'll do our wrap up. Why me? All right. Thank you, everyone, for watching this week's episode of the official podcast. We appreciate everyone spending some time with us. Thank you for watching. Uh, if you feel so inclined to support us financially, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the official podcast. And there's some neat rewards over there that you can get by spending some money. Um, Andrew, do your thing. We know you have a lot of choices in how you listen to podcasts, and we'd like to thank you for listening on audio platforms. If you're watching this on YouTube, fuck you, but also thanks. But anyway, make sure that at some point in the future, you check it out on an audio platform. It helps us grow, and it helps us out a lot. We'd appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks, what, everyone. How else do we <laughs> All right, yeah, bye. Yeah, bye. See you, everyone. Thanks, Tom. Bye.